I am unashamed. What about you? So, Jace, I was uh, I was just getting a text uh, from Missy. Oh, really? Yep. And it was like, anybody around tonight, I'm cooking Granny's homemade chili. Which I like that. She didn't just say I'm cooking homemade chili. She said Granny's, meaning our Granny. Uh, which is, my wife can cook chili. It is good. So I'm, I'm seeing the responses. Anna's like, I'm in. Jay's, I'm in. I said, I'm in, but Lisa's in Alabama. Well, here's what's weird is I'm not on that text. I no. Thought, I thought Jay you know was why? cooking for us. He's I, cooking lunch for us. For Perkins. He's or cooking lunch, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because we're going to have Tony on the podcast. So you're invited if you want to make the If you want to make the trek to get Granny. <laughs> for those listening, that was a patented fail eye roll. Bill ain't making a trip for no chili. Now, I do. I will say this. The Sometimes last time, they'll do it for a stay, but not Well, yeah. Last time I went to Prime Rib, and guess who showed up? Uh-huh. Phil, he said, you know, I finally realized something. I said, what's that? He said, y'all, y'all learned how to cook. That's right. Well, it took Dad, like, how many years did it take him to trust that we could actually, that we had learned from the best? Oh, it actually took them several years to get it down. But they did get it down. They got it down. Gone on record saying my wife could not boil an egg when we got started. Mine couldn't either. I remember when we went through that phase. Well, give him some time. You never know. Now, the difference was Missy learned from town. Lisa, we've Spent our first five years next door to it takes sacrifice and it's it's hard. And work. Granny was still alive for Missy and. But Lisa. you know what? You keep learning. You know, Missy, just just last week, came down and they had a chicken and dumpling session, and she's yeah. so excited. She yeah. was like, "Oh, I got that down." But, but that's what I like. I like about it is that they still want to learn how to. Yeah. You know what mom is doing right well, i tried to oh, tell it's, missy it's an art yeah i tried you doing a little of set cleaning there while you're what are you doing yeah i was, I was cleaning out the chair if i could do <laughs> i will say this that gravel was getting big enough to where he'd know it <laughs> the last two nights i have cooked supper for now you got somebody living with you I. right or living like you know i do i <laughs> We uh we took on a couple who actually they were I think he's working for me. It's my company. Yeah. They work behind the scenes of the various podcasts. I have not met him yet, which happens and a lot with people that work I've, for me. I've met him because he lives at my house. I gotta come meet so him. So I said, Well look, y'all are welcome to just come in at any time. Because where I have a little pool house that we built for Missy's grandparents. And they've gone on to be with the Lord. But at the time, their house had flooded due to frozen pipes, and they needed a place to stay. We were remodeling our house. Yep. So we quickly built a place where they could live. And But there's no stove in there. We call it the pool house. Yeah. Because it's out by the pool. And there's no oven. So I was like, well, y'all just come in for meals, but they don't. They feel weird about that. They have yuppie tendencies. They, they had... When they pulled up, they had two vehicles. They had two a bike on their vehicle, which yeah. was pretty, I've seen those with the little racks on there. Yeah. And the, oh yeah, so they're into it. And uh, well, there's nothing wrong with that, but it just it just I felt that yuppie was the <laughs> if you're riding around with a bike on, on your, your car, car, you might be a yuppie. <laughs> Maybe right. we should do a version of that. Maybe we could do the top ten things you might be a yuppie. Yeah, and so, so he. What's the dude's name? Do you know his name? Oh boy, 
Gains, gains, gains. Yeah, gains. I mean, is out. Way to put me on the spot. Well, I mean, he lives there. I figured you know his name was. And uh, yeah, so him and his wife, yeah, they live there. But when here's what's funny: when Missy got back from Tennessee, she like forced the action because she's like, "There's not a stove down there. There's no oven." And they said, "Yeah, we've been getting by with a crock pot and a microwave." And she's <laughs> like, "Oh." That, this is not living. <laughs> so they came in for, for beans and rice one night. So I wonder we, if they'll be there for them. the granny's homemade chili tonight. I'm Maybe sure, I'll get a chance I'm to sure meet they'll them. be. They were probably on the list. You just didn't. Well, right. Didn't I probably didn't notice that. On but this. my last two meals, I cook crappie, fresh crappie mm. from next door. Yep. And, which is why I got the fish slime in my yeah, which is why I have that. I mean, I well, but we may have people listening for the first time, so I'm not trying to be cool. <laughs> And I ate the the last of the second deer I've had on the season. Right. The the young deer that, that has caused a couple of people to reach out to my assistant, and then she forwarded me the emails. Look, you, they, they let you shoot as many deer as, they, as the government prescribes. Right. And I'm perfectly within my rights to shoot <laughs> the smallest deer I want because that is the best tasting deer. Right. I don't feel bad about that. But some people, I don't know where we got in our society where people are like, oh, because it's a younger deer, maybe we shouldn't eat that. It has to be a giant or has uh, to be a yeah. desert. The bigger the deer, the worse it tastes. Well, we grew- you, you can eat them. I'm just saying if you if you shoot a young deer, it's just going to be a, a better experience. Plus, I remember growing up with the, with the uh, motto of, boys, you can't eat horns. You know, that's yeah. what dad always told right. us. So... Horns are inedible, so who cares about what's on top? What matters yeah. is what's underneath. Well, from a processing standpoint, that's why I shoot smaller deer, or or I just put out a hit. I let people hunt my stand, and, and I might bring me a deer, and you can hunt my stand. Right. So. Perkins, come on in. Come on in. We're informal. So I love it on Unashamed, you never know. So Tony just got here. Tony Perkins. Welcome to Unashamed. Well, good to be with you guys. So, I, we were sitting there talking about deer meat. You said you just finished off the last deer sausage. We had the last sausage this weekend. There so you go. It's time, and I just happened to be going deer hunting this coming week. So That's why we love you, Tony. I Tony, mean, you Tony. are the three-piece suit. You're looking like, you know, America's sharp-dressed man, but down deep, you are a Louisiana guy that loves the yeah, wood. I, walking in here, I was looking at those side-by-side <laughs> you had, and I think – that's pretty nice. All that mud. Looking forward. To I got to ask you: were, were you thinking as you were looking at walking through, like, how do they do a podcast here? Did, did the, that the cross thought, your mind? The thought did cross my mind. <laughs> well, let's back up, Tony. At what point on the way down here did you say this can't be right? Uh, like the third time we turned around after we got lost. <laughs> yeah, you, I mean, you you can't mark anything because they're cutting all the trees I down. Know. I mean, it's just like clear cut. Did you notice all the bullet holes in every sign? Yeah, I knew. I was moving in the right direction by that sign. <laughs> so Tony is from Louisiana. He's from Baton Rouge. So he understands the Louisiana, what we call up here, the redneck mine. You got a little bit of a joining of cultures down there. Cause you got the Cajun mine, right. the redneck mine. You got a little bit of everything. So, all right, finish That's your true. story. Jason. about, was I telling a story? You were telling a story about your last deer. Oh, well, I just, what we do every year is I have a deer, a young deer, because they taste better. Right. I never put it in the freezer. I just put it in a Yeti ice chest right in the middle of the kitchen on ice. And we eat it every night until it's gone. 
I can't say I've done that. <laughs> and so when I Speaking get to redneck, when I get to the bottom of the ice chest, I go look for another deer. And we the back straps and the hindquarters go in there, and we we start the process all over. The reason I like a young deer is because I can process it myself. Right, I right. just turn everything into a steak. Right. Phil calls my deer nuggets because they're small. There are a lot of deer, you know. In the when I was a boy, we were raised. We never saw so much as a deer track. Nothing. There were no deer. Really, none. none. So I'm. We're talking through the about 1966. Couple of years after I started going to college. They talked about bringing pairs of deer from Wisconsin and putting them in this parish and that parish. I wasn't and, aware of this. Oh, yeah. There were no deer in the up to about 66. Well, they brought them down here and placed them around in Louisiana. And before I left Louisiana Tech, probably late 60s, you know, when by, you know, working at night, you know, getting my degrees, I, I noticed that you go in the woods, you see deer tracks. I thought, I said, hmm, there's deer. Well, then we started killing a few of them, and then, then they had a deer season. Well, now you drive down this road right here and go over <laughs> here and get on your stand, and you look, and about 40 or 50 will come out there on your food plot, you know, and you, you size it up and say, well. So they did, the, the, the wildlife people did a wonderful job. What's amazing is these pioneers, pioneers with primitive weapons when they started across this country i mean they literally cleaned them out took them out so they're back now in full force that's for sure so I mean, a lot they, of deer i've probably hit 10 a lot of turkeys a <laughs> lot of my deer. Truck in my <laughs> life i probably i think i'm up to double digits and you're not trying to hit them i mean uh, there are one, some guys around here i tried to hit one and jimmy okay. red sort of hit another deer in my truck and i said I said, why is it that, that you continually are hitting deer? He said, oh, there's an art to it. <laughs> he said, well, first of all, you have to have a good bumper. This is one. Yeah. We wouldn't condone anything as illegal yeah. as all that. But no, I don't think it's illegal really? to hit one. Well, I mean, maybe on purpose, but how would they ever know whether you did it on purpose? But you do have to watch, or you, you'll certainly have a wreck. I told of my wife's car. I was not trying I told to hit the that, truck, that back when I had zero money, and I did have insurance, but, I mean, that was not the plan. <laughs> the good news is in Acts chapter 10, when the Apostle Peter, under strict food laws for 1,500 years, he saw this what looked like a sheet being let down by its four corners, so it's some type of movie screen, and God's going to send him a lesson. And the movie screen contained all kinds of four-footed animals. I'm like, four-footers. Deer. I said, that'd be deer. <laughs> elk. Elk, moose, four-footers, rabbits, squirrels. It, it, that's a Cajun gumbo. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that was, that's where it came from. And the command from. said, arise, kill, and eat. So it is biblically authorized. It is a sound teaching in the Bible. God says, I made the animals. You can kill them. Kill them and eat them. Let's face it. In your conversion, Phil, that was right under the gospel of Jesus. <laughs> when was, you read that, you thought, okay. It was worthy of note, I must admit. Then, <laughs> Jace, you go all the way back to Genesis 9. I do. I do the, that in my speeches. For the original. You know, you know what I find strange is that a lot of church-going people 
are shocked that that's in the Bible. That they're like, yeah, I, I never knew mm-hmm. that was in there. You know, they get to the flood, and Noah and the ark, and everybody singing "Kumbaya," and they <laughs> they just move past what happened next, yeah. where he said, "Let's start hunting." That's right. Yeah. The first thing that thing when it landed and they let the animals loose, it was like, evidently they were vegetarians. He said, "They were." Uh, I gave you at first. Uh, what do you say? The, uh, you know, the green uh, plants, the green, the green plants. But now I give you everything. Yeah. So, so they were vegetarian up until. So when they was in the garden, everybody was getting along. So that started. I don't know if you know this. That started a whole movement that people said, "Well, that's what we got to. If we want to live, they were living eight, nine hundred years old. We want to get back to that. We need to quit uh-huh. eating these animals and go back under the." Uh, I you love know. that movement, though. I'm like, that's more for me. <laughs> <laughs> that's more meat. When for the people rest. come over there and say, "Oh, I don't eat meat," I was like, "Great, I'm going to get twice my usual portion." <laughs> well, Dad, you had a whole a, a vegetable feast last night. You didn't even have a piece All of veggies. meat. That's what, you, that's what mom I said. told some girl. She said, "You know, I just don't think it's right." She was interviewing me about something, and I said, well, I said, where did you come up with that? I said, is it, you're saying biblically it's it's not right? She said, oh, no, I don't believe in God. I, I don't I don't read Bible. I said, well, I said, so where's the, the wrongness of it? You know, killing animals, fish, eat them. And she said, I just don't believe it's right. I said, well, you're bound to have gotten that information from someone. You read something that said, we don't think it's right to kill animals. I said, and you bought it. I said, well, I don't see anything wrong with it. I said, but I don't hold it against you at all. If you just want to yeah. eat veggies, I love veggies. So but didn't talked, she try something? Well, she said, she said, uh, do you have a restaurant you could recommend? I said, about the cook good veggies? I said, oh, yeah. So I told them up here, a restaurant, local restaurant. I told her, go by there. They fix great veggies. So I didn't hold it against her. I did walk in my kitchen, and I, I picked up a jar of Mayhall jelly. And I said, you see that? And she said, yeah, what, what is that? I said, that's jelly, Mayhall jelly. You ever heard of that? She said, never heard of that. I said, it's a little red, looked like a little apple. And I said, it grows the same places where the deer are and the squirrels and the ducks. I said, there's trees that produce fruit. We make jelly out of it. We eat the, we eat We're the, human. We, we eat the animals. We're people. We eat the fruit that grows. That this God is grows. earth. And I, said, and I said, let me show you something. And I took a little teaspoon. And I said, I just want you to taste this. She's tasted. She said, oh, my goodness. That is delicious. I said, so, so is deer. I said, it's all coming out of the same place, honey. So, Phil, so look, she, she, look, here's the rest of the story. The was, deer eats the mayo. I told her deer. that, and, and I said, but whatever. I said, we're going to eat mayo jelly and, we, and the animals. I said, it, it's tasty. It's really good. Louisiana's famous for it. Good food. But anyway, she said, do you have a restaurant you could recommend? I gave her that. Well, we got a note about a month later. She sent it to Al, and she said, tell your dad that I went by that place that he recommended to eat, and I, I ordered braised duck. Oh, boy. She, she said it was delicious. <laughs> this is breaking news. So breaking news. I think if we don't, if we're not unkind to them, That's right. we just tell them, look, I don't know where you're getting the information. It's not, it's not the Bible. Old writings, maybe you shouldn't kill animals. I said, I don't know where you got it from. I think probably a university, some college professor, Got to expound it on those issues and talk people out of some great. Well, she eating. was a she was a, she was an Aussie, an Aussie. So who knows? Let's take a break. 
So the uh, ordeal begins this week, uh, as, as the wives call it. The duck season begins. And one of the things that I've noticed is everybody's, we're all getting a little bit longer in the tooth. When the ordeal begins, usually the aches and pains kind of go along with it. Because you get, you know, all of a sudden you're throwing decoys around, you're hauling in your grip, you're crawling in duck blinds. I mean, we're fixing to get active when you say days. Of course, you know, you're a treasure yeah. hunter, so you're already pretty active. Hey. But you get a lot of that with duck season, especially dad and I getting on up in years. And uh, one of the things that we love about one of our sponsors, Omega XL, is that they help take care of that inflammation, which causes a lot of those joint pains and aches and things that we just kind of get by naturally aging. So you want to check these guys out. It's been a big help for us. A size of Believer too. He loves it. Go to OmegaXL.com slash Phil. You're going to buy a bottle. You get a second bottle for free at OmegaXL.com slash Phil. It's really going to help with your inflammation. You can also call them at 800-844-4888. That's 800-844-4888 and get rid of that inflammation. I was just going to say, when when Paul says, uh, be careful about those who tell you not to eat this or mm-hmm. eat that, you know, we're free to eat, as as you said, Peter That's saw right. that vision and the ability to to eat that. It's becoming somewhat of a religion on the other side to move away from what God says we can do. Yeah, That's correct. Exactly. Which I think most of the, not only environmentalism, it could be anti-meat or anti-hunting, you see that, is almost its own religion now. I mean, all those elements, they tend to kind of line up, which makes sense because when you read Romans 1, it's pretty clear that that's exactly what's happening. It's a self-induced the creed. They come right. up with a creed, and and they they have some hollow and deceptive philosophers who have putting this on them, and they, they they just believe it, and it's like a creed. And they go down the list of what you can do, rule after rule after rule after rule. It's a uh, unfortunate, but uh, the problem is we're going to keep enjoying uh, what God has provided and. But but have you ever noticed that the, the rules change with that, them? That's what I was about to yeah. say. The exact same a thing. lot. Yeah, because so they never know what's what's right or what's wrong. See, the the benefit of being a follower of Christ is it's all laid out there for us. We know exactly right. what he say, what he has told us to do. So it right. doesn't change. That's right. But, yeah, it's and it's not standard. rocket science. With him, no, it's it's not complex at all. He puts it on the low shelf for all of us. It's That's on right. the bottom However, shelf. The problem is they're trying to come up with the information, and we we have an informant. You know, when Pilate asked what is truth, what well, Jesus had already said, "I am the truth." You know, the better question if he would have said, "Who?" I mean, I'm trusting Jesus. What he says, I have what he says. I look, and it works. It makes sense, and the benefits of it. Not only in this life, we have eternity involved. But if I was just trying to find information, bits and pieces, and then so all of a sudden I'm constantly changing what I thought was truth because I really have no one to go to a source. It's just different opinions about everything. I mean, even the climate and the environment has become a religion to some. I mean, I'm all for having great climate and great environment, but that's not going to be what I give my soul to. As far as you know, speaking the of religions, of my life, yeah, right. oh, yeah. absolutely, become a religion. Yeah, yeah. There's no doubt, and and I think that's why we don't get as upset about. But it, it's dangerous in, when you think about what they're saying with the global warming, when they attribute what God says is going to be happening in the end times, and you attribute that to man and not God warning. 
you you distract people from the bigger picture of what God is communicating to man. And so there's this deception that settles upon men. And government, I mean, think about this for a moment. How is government going to save the planet? They can't, they can't even, they can't even, they can't save themselves, first off. Yep. But we we have a dysfunctional country. I mean, you look in Washington, D.C., and we can't solve the, the simplest of issues, but yet we're going like to Like an immigration border or something. Like well, these issues. How about issues. a budget? Or, right. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Let's start there. We, we have not. I, I, about 15, 16 years ago, I wrote a book called Personal Faith, Public Policy, identifying seven major issues. You know what? Those issues still have not been resolved. Immigration, racial division, uh, health care. Uh, you name yeah. the issues, they're still issues today. Government hasn't solved it, but we can save the planet. Yeah, so yeah. that the one word that kept coming to mind to me, Tony, was arrogance. It, what an arrogant approach to think that somehow you, or or if the government of the world just came together, even now what's being driven on the front page, I mean, Biden's talking about meeting with China to come to some deal where all of a sudden our arch enemy, we're going to all work together to save the planet. It's such a joke. I mean, to me, I'm just like, it's well, what, so arrogant. But you don't, when you don't have hope, when you don't have hope, and I mean afterlife, big picture or, or purpose, you tend to elevate small things to salvation status like, like we even did with the mask. Yeah. I mean, look, I wore yeah. my mask like a good boy, but there were a lot of people that funneled their salvation and for saving the planet into a piece of cloth that was never really proven to do anything. Well, pretty much from the start, they said it wasn't going to work very well. well I mean, right. that, that's what they said rightly from the beginning. Well, uh, in it, the right? beginning, O oh Lord, you laid the foundations of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will all wear out like a garment. You'll roll them up like a robe, like a garment. They'll be chained, but you remain the same, and your end will never, your years will never end. But so the Hebrew writer said, What was verse Hebrews The earth one. will wear out like a discarded cloth. It, you're not going to be able to save it. God made it, and it's going to just slowly wear out. He takes the eternal ones, the faithful, with him. And the rest are weeded out. It's yeah, a, I used to do it's a, a dangerous thing. I what used they're to do saying a, now. I used to do a bit in my speech. I'd get up there and I'd say, "I, I believe in global warming," and it would just the tension would mount when I said that. You know, <laughs> everybody's thinking, "Everybody's what is fixed to say." Is he that the left wingers got him? <laughs> I said, Second Peter," and I would do the the worst sound in the duck blind, especially for bearded men. I'd go. <laughs> It's like at a later date, it's going to get real hot around here. <laughs> so you, you you believe in global warming? You you believe strongly in global heating? Yeah, at a later the date, the elements will get, melt in the heat. It's going to get hot around here. <laughs> have a have an exit strategy. So, but I quit doing it because people like you know. <laughs> Take, know, you should, they couldn't take the tension out. You should revive that, though, yeah. especially now. We, a lot of uh, church folk, they're uncomfortable when you when you do that. You yeah. know, it's like they'd rather do stuff like. I mean, you've heard me when I was like, "Look, trees, 
They don't need hugs. <laughs> that always gets a laugh. Yeah. It really doesn't mean anything, <laughs> but it's it's letting people's minds know that hey, people are more important than trees. That's right. Although we love trees, we love trees. But you know what? Going back to your point there with the mask and all that, it's a fear that has gripped people. I mean, even yeah. even the issue of climate change has, has mm -hmm. gripped a lot of people with fear. Yeah. But you got to go back to to what Jesus said in Luke chapter 21, where he warns of what the end times are going to look like. He says, take heed that you not be deceived, for many will come in my name, saying, I am he, and the time has drawn near. Therefore, do not go after them. But you will hear of wars and commotions. Do not be terrified, for these things must come to pass first, but the end has not will not come immediately. Then he said, nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, and there will be great earthquakes in various places, famines and pestilence, that's viruses, and there will be fearful signs, that's active, literally the, the Greek there is, a, it's like act of terrorism, strikes of terror, and great signs from heaven. But before all these things, they will lay hands on you and persecute you and deliver you up into the synagogues. So mm -hmm. again, this is taking our attention away from what Jesus is warning us. We're moving toward the end times. What should we be doing? Preaching the gospel so that people will repent and turn yeah. to the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation, but rather we're interjecting government as the savior of mankind. Mm -hmm. We're going to solve these issues of uh, the natural disturbances. We're going to deal with this with global warming, when yeah. in fact it is God's warning at the time is coming to a close. I got a history yeah. professor, one of the brothers, and I said, so you taught history here at this university for 30 years. I said, so what did you do when you came to the historical time frame of Jesus Christ? He said, we weren't allowed to teach that. We weren't allowed to expound on that. I said, so you just skipped over those years when Jesus became flesh and died on the cross, was sure. raised from the dead? Talk about Rome, talk he about said, something. He said, we could talk about any of it. He said, but when I tried to force the issue, he said, I'm not a professor anymore. See you later. Relieved him of his command. I mean, he, and think about that. One of the most defining moments in human history. I mean, we've we even set the, the calendar by it. We talk yeah. about that all the time. And, of course, we've changed that now. It's no longer A.D., right. B.C., and A.D. We've, we've changed it, you know, before common the error. common era, yeah. which I refuse to use, <laughs> by the way. We, we don't have to go along with that. Dad has a way. Let's take another break. All right, so one of my uh, favorite uh, sponsors is a, is a company called Bespoke Post. And they're, they're, uh, what I love about their website is called boxofawesome.com. So what happens is they send me a box. I've signed up, and they send me a box of things that I like, but it's kind of like a little surprise party. And so, Jason, the last one, I got this. Could you tell? Oh, yeah, I like it. See that? I mean, you never know when an unwanted critter. That's comes right. Around. Or you know, a little fit. This is a fishing tool. So you got the monofilament oh. line. You got baits inside here. Oh, I thought it was a club. No, it's not a club. It's, okay. it's a little fishing rod. But so you know you, what you could also. So if you're roll at, out, you know, you see some crappie out there in front yeah. of the duck blind. But you could roll out dough to <laughs> well, put in your guess, biscuit maker. I guess in the that's duck true. Line. Now that we have our uh, biscuit yeah. maker as well, so they have all kinds of cool stuff. Uh, this knife. Is another thing that I got, which is really good skin and knife. So uh, they send they you know send stuff that you like, which is really great. Um, Ninety percent of everything comes is is from great brands, and so you want to check these guys out. Um, Boxofawesome.com. 
You're going to get 20% off your first monthly box when you sign up. Enter the code Phil at checkout. So go to boxofawesome.com. Use the code Phil. 20% off your first box. And love the surprises that come your way. Dad has a way of, when he talks about it, Tony, he says, you know, now they call it common air, before common air, after he said... What what does that mean? Is it before Jesus got here? I mean, so you, whatever whatever you want to tag it, it's still before Jesus got here. Once he was here, which is the thing. Yeah, I told him the other day. You know, I was, I was talking to some atheist. You know, and he said, "Y'all believe in miracles." He said, "But we," I said, "Y'all believe in them too." <laughs> I said, "You teach them all the time." And he said, "Well, what are you talking about?" I said, "Well, before y'all said there was an explosion." 13.5 billion years ago, I said, what was there before it exploded? What was there? Was there anything there? They said, nothing. I said, so nothing explodes to get the cosmos <laughs> That's here. That's a miracle. That's pretty That's miraculous. And, and lo and behold, on this particular planet, uh, three-fourths of it ended up salt water and the slime in the salt water created us. I said, that's a miracle, dude. A miracle. <laughs> I don't believe in o- that miracle. Only Phil would come up, up with that, outwitted by a redneck. <laughs> Dad always, Tony, Dad's favorite line is every time he talks about some amazing thing that happens either with people or on the planet is what department in salt water came up with that yeah made <laughs> he, a duck that's right what and de- me what department of salt water was the origins of that <laughs> which is pretty good the color code of a wood duck that came out of an explosion slime and there's a <laughs> duck beautiful wood duck i'm like and a mallard and a teal i'm like you're trying to tell me with a straight face you think salt water made those things I said, come on. And a wood duck can fly into a tree, a hole in a tree, a little bit bigger than him, her, and fly into Wide a tree open. going 30 or 40 miles an hour. Just shoot. It's the most amazing thing you've ever seen. Hole. That's where they nest. It'd be a hole this big. And a wood duck goes shoot, in that hole. You're like, what? It's just flying along and just disappears into that tree. Eggs down at the bottom of a 10-foot uh, holler. The eggs are down here, some of them 10 foot. But for some strange reason, a wood duck is given a little hook, a little hook on, on, her bill. On, on their bill, and the little babies are no bigger than my thumb. The eggs hatch, and these woodies climb the wall of that tree, look out, and the mother's down at the bottom, you know, with, <laughs> and shoo, they they jump, jumping out of the tree. I'm, I'm watching them hit the ground. I'm thinking. Salt water made that? <laughs> I, I mean, just, that's just, just one observation. I just can't buy it. <laughs> that's just one Amazing. observation. Don't have enough faith to be an atheist. That's exactly yep. right. And, and 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 to see and to look at what's around you. So let me formally introduce you, Tony, because I, I didn't do that. So Tony is the president of the Family Research Council, which is a great group in D.C. I guess you'd call it um, – Probably, probably the most well-known Christian lobbyist group in D.C. Yeah, we work on public policy uh, as it pertains to the family from a Christian perspective, right in the, right in the heart of our nation's capital. We've been hearing you for years, and we like what you do. But <laughs> ever since Trump lost and Biden came on, Tony, I just can't watch it. <laughs> I, 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 I can't. I've not watched the news <laughs> since Trump lost and Biden. I have not watched any news. 
I just can't do it, man. So we're grateful uh, they're I, guys like I'm you. I'm glad you're in there with them, but I, I'm thinking. <laughs> I can see a nice way to say he hasn't been watching you. <laughs> well, I, I can save you the trouble just with one word, bad. <laughs> That's what it looks like, bad. So uh, I, I wanted to talk a little bit about Tony because you have a really interesting sort of evolution to what you're doing now because you start, I think you started Louisiana Family Forum. I did. Here. Yeah, years ago. In when Louisiana. I was, when I was in the legislature. Right. Which the idea was the same thing. Someone that would take up for family, God, you know, what, what lo, most of Louisiana citizens believe in, in our own Louisiana legislature and, and, and uh, Senate. And so you started that here when our friend uh, Gene Mills is a great guy and he runs that. But it's still... So you've seen the idea that if the way this is going to work for us to make a difference in our culture and in our system of government, you have to have a voice because without a voice. But, but Tony, you remember, without even saying it, I am the father of Al and Jace and Willie, Jep, Phyllis. So I'm the father of these two, but we have Bibles in front of us. We believe the Bible, God wrote it. We believe in Jesus. We're counting time by him, like you said, removed our sin, guaranteed we'd be raised from the dead, constant mediating work. When we make a mistake as a Christian, no sin in the past counted against us, no future ones counted against us, immortality and life, and the immortality is riding on it. So, a father and his two sons are simply telling people that we're doing it from down here where we go duck hunting. We got all our rigs out there. You say it's our task. I just don't think it's a political fix at all. No, I, I'm I, saying I, if they repent and turn to God, it would fix itself with God's help. You're absolutely right. And, and what I often say to people about our work in Washington, and I've been there over 18 years now, is that we're basically just keeping the barbarians at bay so that believers can do the work of evangelism, the churches, the families. But here's the issue. This is why we're there. I never went to Washington thinking we were going to solve the nation's problems. What I did, what I realized, and what I even more so is true today, is that we're just trying to keep the government's anti-God perspective out of our families, out of the broader culture, in our schools. I mean, look at what's happening in our schools today where we're turning our children against their parents because we're filling their idea, their heads with these ideas that they can, they can determine their own gender. We've got these open bathroom policies where girls are being assaulted in bathrooms. These are it government policies. Sad, sad, sad. We've got people that are, that are losing their jobs if they proclaim their Christian faith. You know, we now have this mandate about this vaccine that if you even have religious exemptions or qualms about it, you, you can't exercise that. We have a government that is filling the space that God wants filled in our society. And so what we're trying to do is give the church the ability, I say the church, Christians, followers of Jesus, right. the ability to live out their faith. Religious freedom, the left sees religious freedom, and they're generous if they give you this, the ability to choose what church you want to go to on a Sunday. Religious freedom is the ability to live out your faith in such a way that it impacts the world around you. That's being salt and light. Yep. And so what we're doing is to 
preserve that fundamental freedom by working for policies that respect religious freedom in this country. So you can sit around this table and you can have a podcast. See, this is after you leave church services on Sunday. This is Monday. We're still there. Tomorrow, we're still there. Until next day, we're still there. And and that's a great... Hang on, let's take another break. So one of our favorite sponsors uh, is a group called Faithful Counseling. And, um, you know, there's so much you think about in in the Bible about wise counsel, especially when you read Proverbs and Psalms and a lot of those more poetic books. They talk about the importance of that. This uh, particular group, what they do is they offer online counseling, which is really important because a lot of people can't always find a good Christian counselor in their community. And when you need a counselor, you need a counselor. Uh, I've needed one before. Lisa and I have been guided by some really wonderful counselors here locally. So if you got something going on in your marriage and relationships or maybe just in your own life, and you'd like to be able to have a counselor to help kind of guide you through that process, you want to check these guys out at Faithful Counseling. Uh, and the way you do that is you go to faithfulcounseling.com slash unashamed. And unashamed listeners are going to get 10% off your first month of your counseling. And so what you do is that you're going to take a little questionnaire. They're going to assess your needs, and then they're going to match you with a counselor that you'll love. So it's faithfulcounseling.com slash unashamed, faithfulcounseling.com slash unashamed, and get some help today. That's a great point, Tony, because what we're doing is straight into culture and we're the most at risk because we know we've only got a handful of platforms and we're out there trying to get this word out. But then you have a handful of corporations that say, no, right. what you're saying is hate speech. So we're going to shut you down. You look know? at look at we just finished. We're doing a two year journey through the Bible. and We're just about finished with it uh, is in December. We finish and then we'll start again. It's called Stand on the Word, doing it as a staff, doing it as an organization. We've got several thousand people going through it with us. But we just finished the book of Acts. You read Acts, and Paul faced the cancel culture. I mean, he would go in, he would preach the gospel. Over and over. Exactly. He would go in, he would preach. There were those who benefited from sin and deception would get upset. In fact, oftentimes it was the Chamber of Commerce That's right. who would then organize a mob who would either run him out, beat him up, or have him thrown in jail. That's right. But what did he do? And I'm going to, in fact, I'm going to be talking about this to the Baptist pastors uh, here uh, t- tonight, where in Acts chapter 18, the Lord speaks to Paul. He's in Corinth. Yep. And he says this. He says, don't be afraid, speak, and don't be silent. And this is a guy who had been several assassination attempts. He had been stoned uh, with rocks. He had, <laughs> uh, he, he had been thrown in prison, shipwrecked three times. This guy's not a weak sister. But yet he had faced this same crowd over and over and over. And he goes, here we go again. But God said, don't fear. Speak and don't be silent. And to his credit... Luke recorded first paragraph in the book of Acts. Uh, my former book, The Obelis, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do were on Jesus and to teach, and what he said, until the day he was taken up to heaven post-resurrection. After giving instruction through the Holy Spirit to the apostles, he had chosen. After his suffering, his death, his resurrection, he showed himself to these men gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to him over a period of 40 days 
and spoke about the kingdom. That's the opening paragraph in Acts. Fortunately for the church and us too, the last thing that Luke wrote in the book of Acts is the apostle Paul, for two whole years, Paul stayed there in his own rented house and welcomed all who came to see him. Boldly and without hindrance, he preached the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus from cover to cover throughout the book of Acts. You could give your boys that because I thought it pretty amazing. And that's the New Testament church, and I believe that's what we're to be about you today. Bet. That regardless of the deplatforming, the cancel culture, we cannot go silent. We cannot back up. We've got to be, we got to pivot, you know, where, where he was, if he was run out of one community, he went to another. If you're, if you're deplatformed from one, you go to another. We create our if own. If he hated me, Jesus said, he'll hate, they'll hate you too. So. We can't give up. No. You know, and also I think it's interesting in Acts 18, he said that I have people in this city which I thought about that when you were talking. If somebody said, look, the Lord said, take Washington, D.C., and, and he says, I got people in this city, a lot of people would be shocked. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But I am glad you're there well, <laughs> as a representative. That's really a good point because Corinth was a wicked city. Oh, that's right. oh, yeah. It was a very wicked city. But here's what happens with this. And you guys they had a little problem with male and female. They, they, had, a they had a lot of problems. Yeah. But here, you guys have experienced this. When one person stands up and speaks, guess what happens? Before long, they're not alone. That's right. Because yeah. courage breeds courage. Correct. Yep. And that's what the left, that's what the enemy of our soul wants, is for us to be silent, because then we all feel isolated and alone. But when, when a voice like yours, Phil, steps up, people begin to realize, wait a minute, I, that's, that's the same thing that I believe. That's, that's yeah. what the Bible you says. Bet. But, and so it, it, it encourages others to stand. So one of the yeah. things, Tony, that uh, and you and I have been friends for a long time, and one of the things I've always appreciated about you personally is that you, you, you're working in Washington, D.C., trying to make a difference. You've been there, like I said, 18 years. But you've always maintained a life here in Louisiana. You're a pastor to church. You raise your family here. So it's not like a lot of people go to D.C. and then get sucked into right. that whole vortex. I've seen a lot of good men and women who went in there with the right ideas, you know, into the government itself and then just get sucked into that machine. So has that been important for you to keep that sort of outside of that? I don't it, know. It is because I mean, we all want it. We all are made for the most part to have fellowship. We, right. we, we want to fit in. Nobody, nobody says, I want to be the odd duck. You know, there's a few, but not many. And so when you go there, you conform to your environment. And so, yeah, I've been commuting back and forth the last 18 years. Plus, the food's better here in Louisiana. Much too. better. <laughs> but, and I didn't want to move my family. But I got five kids, and I wanted them to be rooted here in Louisiana. You know, you go up there, and you raise your kids, and they scatter to the, to the winds. And so, uh, you know, we've all raised all our kids here. We've homeschooled. Uh, you know, we live in the... Not not as much of the country as you live out here. We're not that far <laughs> not out. Middle of you don't get turned yeah. around four times yeah, going right. to your house. Well, and I've got I've got a Dollar General within uh, <laughs> a half a mile, so we're not too far from civilization. We retreated somewhat, but we're not silent. <laughs> no, I'm sure we can hear it when duck season over. We're beaming out. Look, I'm one of the odd ducks you refer to, but I realize was in the second chapter when when the Lord said it's not good for man to be alone. And I, I learned that this courage that is contagious, you know, it's not about me as my faith has matured. And I realized 
you have to do things that are uncomfortable. I mean, you being in Washington, D.C., being outnumbered, I'm sure seems uncomfortable from time to time. But I just got back from Greece where I visited Corinth and I saw the layout, the public bathhouses where, you know, here, here I am. And so what we were doing there went in with the point you were saying is a lot of these refugees that come from these radical countries where they they were escaping at risk for their life. Well, there's a missionary there, a guy from Oklahoma, who just felt like the Lord had called him to share Jesus. Which is where Tony's from, yeah. Oklahoma. And uh, so they've converted hundreds of people from Iran and Afghanistan and Iraq and other kind of radical Muslim-controlled states. Well, these people, once they, they, they feel lucky to be alive, just to make it out of there, then they come to Jesus, and then they're like, well, the Lord ha has a purpose for me, and they go back. So when they asked me to come over there and speak, I said, well, what are the ramifications for this? They're like, well, we're going to film this and, and pump it into these underground churches in these radical controlled countries and they i said well what does that mean for me that and they said well that probably means that your face and picture will go up on a board somewhere <laughs> as a as a threat yeah. but to me i'm like but it, i'm i'm safe here these guys and gals who came to jesus they're risking their life they're yeah. going back into the country oh, yeah. where if it's found out they will die but it when you said that i just I, it, it it occurred to me that I had that moment of clarity where I thought, what I'm doing is nothing. And their courage inspired me to do this. Exactly. Yeah. Let's take our last break. I was just going to say, I've, I've had the privilege of serving on the U.S. Commission on International Religious Freedom, which is a bipartisan nine-member commission. I served as the chair. I've gone around the world to some of these bad places and we have it so easy here in this country. Oh, my goodness. If, yes. I, I wish every American would go. to. I was in Sudan uh, uh, my last trip uh, before the pandemic. And, you know, you talk with believers who are persecuted. You go to places. I was actually in Turkey when uh, Andrew Brunson was released and, and brought him back. And you see this happening around the world. That is a part of why we've got to be aggressive in defending religious freedom here at home or else yes. we'll become like yes. some of these other countries All where this, we're underground. Which this, is what you're the, trying to avoid. Yeah, and, and one of the <clears throat> places we went with our broadcast was in Sudan. and But some of the stories of the atrocities that had happened yeah. to these people, and here they are, filled with joy and peace yeah. and, and patience via the Holy Spirit because most of the people that were in the room uh, – had been in the faith at least five years. So they were the more mature. But it know, goes back one. to what you said about purpose. You see, we have so many distractions in, in America as believers. We're distracted, and we never really zero in on that purpose that right. we have as followers of Christ. Right. So, you know, Tony, you in your younger life, you were a Marine uh, police officer. Uh, obviously, tough jobs that, you know, get a lot of opposition. But I would dare say, and I'm just guessing, you can tell me if I'm wrong, that you probably have faced more uh, ill will and opposition because you're willing to be a face for a, a group that's lobbying for Christianity than any anything else you've ever done. Because I always joke when I do an event, one of your events, 
that I'm going to get the most hate stuff I get <laughs> every time I do an event with Tony is because there's just this group of people out there that are red. They're laying in wait. I, they must watch. I'm hoping at some point yeah. I'll convince some of them. At to- the height of the pandemic, <laughs> I, I, I would stop after I would share Jesus with people. And then Jesus said, go make disciples and baptize them. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Teach them to obey what I've commanded you. I'll be with you to the end of the age. I said, so you folks want to be baptized today? I said, it presents a problem because the government has said, I can't get within six feet of you. I said, so we got a, we got an option here. I said, we either get a rope and, and I get you on the end of the rope. And I said, somehow snatch you under the water. And, and then you a just. A pulley system. Yeah, and you just have to come up the best you can. I said, I said, or we can remember that Jesus raise his dead men from the ground and we just take our chances and baptize you and go on with it. You know, six foot, whatever, pandemic or what. So we went with the just going to go ahead and baptize them and we never caught anything. But well, that's more, why, more disciples but is Phil, all that's why it infuriated the world because look, all, we, we've used our, our TV show and the different avenues the way we became famous as a platform right. to share Jesus. But I've, I've held the hand of hundreds of, of people who are on their deathbed and kids and all these situations where you're trying to offer peace and 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 a bit of, of confidence in a very difficult situation. Well, if I didn't have Jesus's words and the hope of that, what 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 can I do? The the difficulty in life is all around. And it was here before the pandemic. You people who who were surprised at seeing this in the pandemic were not dealing with people on a daily basis. But as people who have been doing this for years, there there it's difficult because bad things happen. We all die. We all make mistakes, and so we're interacting with these people and these godly principles that do bring joy and hope. And most of these people, especially among you know the kids that are suffering. I mean, they have just active courage after active courage, and you know they're inspiring you just for being there. So that that's what that's what I think about when these people are running around being shell shocked because somebody didn't have a mask on at the Dollar General. You know, I'm like, get a life. This, this, life is tough. It's been tough before this, and there's a lot of qualities that God offers that make sense that are historical and have evidence even in creation, you know, where we started, that will that will bring you some joy and peace and comfort that we're dealing with on a daily basis. And that's why they're perceiving us as yawning when something like this happens. And it's not that we're yawning or taking it lightly, but our hope is in something way bigger yeah. and greater in this, and we've put our faith and trust in that. Yeah, it's like yeah. the old song. Our hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. And so, so Tony, um, we're almost out of time. But one thing I want to say is, you know, we're unashamed nation is what we call our group, and it's right out of Romans one sixteen and seventeen. And so, we're challenging the the many many thousands of people that listen, and we do it through Bible study, just like you guys are doing. That's our core of who right. we are. But the whole idea is to live unashamed. And I can't think of a better person that could be our, our, our poster uh, person for living unashamed than you do. And uh, I just wanted to thank you for, to our audience. And look, if you guys are 
ever uh, want to check out more of what Tony's doing is FRC.org. Right. Is the website and see a way to get involved, support these guys. Uh, Dad and I are going to be on your radio show today. Yeah. So because you're in back home in Louisiana, you're speaking to some pastors, and so you're going to do your show from here. Which yeah, we are. Washington Watch is going to be Monroe Watch. Right? That's exactly so. right. Right here from the unashamed <laughs> lair. It's the first. It's the first. So this is going to be interesting. Yeah, and it's always good to to meet a fellow Louisiana uh, guy. And look, and, and what I love, the last event we did, you sort of rebranded to Pray, Vote, Stand, which right. was a great event. And you invited me to speak. And the night I got to speak, I was just surrounded by some amazing people, apologists, firebrand preachers, but also Mike Pompeo and great political people who are believers. And so it's really encouraging every time I do that, Tony. And Dad, Dad got to share the gospel with President Trump yeah. before he was president right. because, at your event. Right. right. Which was, and yep. we told that story for on the podcast. So you're giving opportunities for that to happen. I just want to tell you thanks. Well, he he did it. say he was a sinful man. I thought, well, at least you're honest. That's exactly I right. I said, and you're going six feet deep in a hole, right? He said, no doubt about it. I said, Jesus has solved your problem right here. I said, haul at me up here. I said, I'll drive up or fly up. And I said, you know, I'll baptize you if you want to. I said, you look up the verses yourself. I said, have a nice day. So Who knows he, where that he did lead. not say, get that Bible out of my face. No. No, he was very respectful. Yep. I had many conversations with him yep. on that front. But, you know, I, I just I want to thank so you So I tried my best to convert him. Yep. Well, and keep praying for him. And he may be. Keep, keep praying for him. But I want to thank you guys for uh, for building that courage in men and others across this country. We've got to we've we've got to draw into our strength. That's and, right. and Ephesians six says, "Be strong in the Lord and the power of His might." Yeah. We cannot be ashamed of the Word of God. Amen. Whether you're a police officer, whether you're a banker, whether you're a teacher, whether you're a coach, whether you're a duck hunter, yeah. we need the Word of God. It is our foundation. We cannot be ashamed of it. Yep. And we've got to live that way. So all the, the empires of planet Earth, the history buff I told you about, the historian. Every single one of them before us has collapsed. All of the rise to great heights, they collapsed, they collapsed, they collapsed. Well, now we, uh, India, Russia, China, you could throw in there. You've got four or five right now that's up on the top of the, but they're coming down like all the rest of them. There's one kingdom that won't. That's right. Exactly. Kingdom of that God. you could become a citizen of that kingdom. That's right. Absolutely. By accepting Jesus That's Christ my point. as Lord and Savior. Yep. So now, Tony, you get to experience the best side benefit of being here. We get to go to Miss Kay's Kitchen for lunch. So Looking that's, forward to that's that. where we're going from here. So thank you, Tony, for being here today. Thanks for listening to the Unashamed Podcast. Help us out by rating us on iTunes. And don't miss an episode by subscribing on YouTube. And be sure to click that little bell to get notified about new episodes. And for even more content that you won't get anywhere else, subscribe to Blaze TV at blazetv.com slash unashamed.